Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. Today, Robert Quintana continues his series of messages that will help you learn how God longs to make you whole and see how that restoration process can start now and to be made whole. I was reminded earlier a story of a young boy who surrendered over or sacrificed his lunch of five loaves and two fish. You remember the story? Most of you who grew up in the church have heard the story many times. Uh, the multitudes had been following Jesus, and the disciples come to Christ and say, Jesus, the people are hungry. You, you need to let them go. And Jesus says, well, you feed them. Well, we can't feed them. We don't have food enough to feed all of these people here. And they kind of go back and forth. I can imagine them going back and forth. And, and one of them said, we don't have money to buy food for all of these people. And so then they start asking around and trying to figure out how they can resolve this issue. And a young boy surrenders over. He sacrifices his lunch of five loaves and two fish. And he says, here, take this. We know what Jesus did with it. He took that small sacrifice and he fed thousands. The Bible says five thousands, but we understand that that was 5,000 men. So the figure could be somewhere around 10, 12,000 people that Jesus fed with that small sacrifice. My hope today, my prayer, is that after today's message, we all have a sense of what God can do with our sacrifice. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we just want to take a moment and acknowledge you as our Lord and as our creator. We want to acknowledge you as our friend, as our savior. God, we want to thank you for this time that we have to spend together with fellow Christians, non-believers, Lord, this time that we get to spend together and open your word and, and see what it is that you're asking of us, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, we have an opportunity to be changed today. I want to thank you for that. Lord, I, I admit, and, and we all here understand um, our weakness and that's why we're coming before you just asking for you to reveal yourself to us that we may know your ways. Give us the wisdom to understand and give us the strength to move forward and step out in faith is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, several years ago, DC Talk came out with several books. I have two of them with me entitled Jesus Freaks. It's based on a title of a song that they wrote many years ago about being a Jesus freak. Now, I know that name doesn't sound very appealing to most of us, but the song had a very powerful message. And that is, is that I'm going to stand for Jesus no matter what, no matter where I am, under any circumstance, I'm going to stand for Christ. Therefore, I guess I must be a Jesus freak. And if that's what you want to call me, then okay, I'm, I'm a Jesus freak. And so they wrote these two books, and um, they partnered up with Voice of the Martyrs. And what it is, it, it is a chronicle or stories of men and women who have given their lives 
for Christ through the ages. Uh, Here I have volume one and volume two, very powerful books. You can buy them at your local Christian bookstore. Uh, They're great for devotion because they're not very long, maybe a page, two page, maybe, you know, maybe five pages max on each story. And, And you get to read about these amazing men and women who stood up for Christ against all odds, they, they stood up for Christ even when the gun was pointed in their direction, even when they were um, faced with death and burning at the stake. They stood up for Christ and they sacrificed everything that they had for the sake of Christ. Amazing books, very uplifting, very powerful, very sobering books. I encourage you to pick one of them up because you will definitely be blessed. Does anyone want to guess how many Christians are murdered, martyred, murdered, martyred a year today? Does anybody want to guess? Someone at early service said a thousand. I said, whoa, that's a lot. And then there was a a young girl who said a hundred thousand. And I said, man, leave it up to young people to always throw out these astronomical numbers on average a year. 171,000 Christians are martyred for their faith around the world. I want to read to you just a a couple of them. Uh, The first one here on page um, 244. I just want to read to you just a couple of these so that you kind of get an understanding of of how powerful um, these stories are. It's entitled, I Have to Know. It's a story of Thomas Hawker in England Back in 1555, Thomas, his friend, lowered his voice so as not to be heard by the guard. I have to ask you this favor. I need to know if what the others say about the grace of God is true. Tomorrow, when they burn you at the stake, if the pain is tolerable and your mind is still at peace, lift your hands above your head. Do it right before you die. Thomas, I have to know. Thomas Hawker whispered to his friend, I will. The next morning, Hawker was bound to the stake and the fire was lit. The fire burned a long time, but Hawker remained motionless. His skin was burnt to a crisp and his fingers were gone. Everyone watching supposed he was dead. Suddenly, Miraculously, Hawker lifted his hands, still on fire, over his head. He reached them up to the living God and then, with great rejoicing, clapped them together three times. The people there broke into shouts of praise and applause. Hawker's friend had his answer. Every story closes with a verse, and I'd like to just read that to you. It says, by grace... My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into his own in your weakness. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in my own weakness. Now I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Paul the Apostle martyred in Rome, 65 A.D. The next story I want to read to you is is found in page 122. Page 122. And it reads like this. The title is, More Love to Thee. Pastor Kim and his congregation, North Korea, 1950s. 
For years, Pastor Kim and 27 of his flock of Korean saints had lived in hand-dug tunnels beneath the earth. Then, as the communists were building a road, they discovered the Christians living underground. The officials brought them out before a crowd of 30,000 in a village for a public trial and execution. They were told, deny Christ or you will die. But they refused. At this point, the head communist officer ordered four children from the group seized and had them prepared for hanging. With ropes tied around their small necks, the officer again commanded the parents to deny Christ. Not one of the believers would deny their faith. They told the children, we will see you in heaven. The children died quietly. The officer then called for a steamroller to be brought in. He forced the Christians to lie on the ground in its path. As the engines revved, they were given one last chance to recant their faith in Jesus. Again, they refused. As the steamroller began to inch forward, the Christians began to sing a song they had often sung together. As their bones and bodies were crushed under the pressure of the massive rollers, their lips uttered the words, More love to thee, O Christ, more love to thee. Thee alone I seek, more love to thee. Let sorrow do its work, more love to thee. Then shall my latest breath whisper thy praise. This be the parting cry my heart shall raise. More love, O Christ, to thee. The execution was reported in the North Korean press as an act of suppressing superstition. And the passage here that reads afterwards is, For our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. You know, we don't need to look to another country. And and we don't even need to look that far back back to, you know, 1550s, or we don't need to look to other countries. We can, maybe most of us here remember what happened, the tragedy that happened in Columbine, Colorado, back in 1999. You remember that, when a young girl by the name of Rachel Scott, after having been shot in the leg once, had a gun pointed to her head and was asked the question, do you still believe in God? And she responded, you know the answer to that. And she was shot dead. Then in there, for her faith. As you look through the scriptures, as you look through the Old Testament and the New Testament, you read stories of men and women who have sacrificed for the sake of Christ. You see men and women who surrender their lives, they surrender their desires, they sacrifice their time, they sacrifice their energy, they sacrifice their financial resources for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the cause. You don't have to read very far in the New Testament before you stumble upon a guy by the name of Paul. 
Now, Paul, many of you already know, his name used to be Saul, and he used to persecute Christians. That's what he used to do for a living. Those stories that we just read, that's what he used to do. He used to hang people. He used to crucify Christians. He used to hunt them down and ask them the same question, will you recant? Will you deny Christ? And if they said no, he would put them to death until one day he had that moment, that encounter with Jesus Christ, and he had that conversion where he came face to face with Christ and and Christ said to him, why are you persecuting me? And it transformed his life. And the same zeal that he used to persecute Christians, now he uses to spread the gospel. Now he uses to share with others the good news of Jesus Christ. Because Paul knew, he understood after his conversion, that if I am going to restore those around me, If I'm going to restore these towns and these cities, if I'm going to restore those that I have influence over, I need to sacrifice my own wants, my own desires. I need to sacrifice my time, my energy, my financial resources because I want to restore. I want to bring healing. I want people to be made whole. You see, because he understood that if people could hear the message of Jesus Christ, if they can come into an understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for their lives, he knew that they would be restored or at least be put on a path for restoration. And so he endured great, great pain. I'd like for you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he shares with us, the sacrifice, the pain that he endured. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 23. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Second Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 23, says this. Are they ministers of Christ? He says the question to the church in Corinth there. I speak as a fool. I am more. I am a Jesus freak. And people might say I'm crazy. People might say I'm a fool. You don't know the extent of my foolishness. I am a true Jesus freak, Paul says. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure in prisons, more frequently in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I've received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Paul sacrificed a lot. He sacrificed his whole life. And in fact, this book that I just shared with you a little bit ago shares his story and shares how he was martyred as well. 
I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the last um, couple of paragraphs here. As Paul's execution drew near, God prepared his heart. He wrote his spiritual son, Timothy. Now the time has come for me to die. My life is like a drink offering being poured out on the altar. I have fought well. I have finished the race. I have been faithful. So a crown will be given to me for pleasing the Lord. Finally, Paul was sentenced to death because he was a Roman citizen. He was not tortured like so many of the believers during Nero's reign, but was beheaded outside the city. He was approximately 64 years old. Paul gave his life up. He sacrificed much for the sake of the cross because he understood that if restoration is going to take place around us, it is going to require sacrifice. Now, I know and I understand very well that no one here is saying, oh, 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 sign me up. That's what I want. I, I know that. Why? Because I know me. And I, because I know me, I know you. There's no one here that's rushing out the door. Where's the sign-up sheet? That's the kind of life I want to live. But I'm going to tell you that all of those sacrifices that we've just read about point to one sacrifice. And that is the sacrifice that we study. That is the sacrifice that we admire. That is the sacrifice that we celebrate this weekend. That is the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, because we're going to read a little bit about that sacrifice that took place some 2,000 years ago. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 6. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Six. Who, talking about Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So you stop there for just a second now. And you think about all the sacrifice that Jesus went through just to get here to planet Earth. I mean, you just, we talk about the sacrifice that took place on Good Friday. Uh, Before that, think about the sacrifice that he underwent just to come and clothe himself with human flesh and live among us as one of us and leaving everything behind and knowing and understanding that he may never see that again. But because of his love for you and his love for me and because he understood that if restoration is going to take place, someone needs to sacrifice. And so because of his love for you and for me, because he understood that I must take their sins upon my shoulders, I must sacrifice. And so here in verse 7 it says, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and becoming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled. And you can replace that with surrender. You can replace that word with sacrifice. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now listen. I understand. I understand that, that no one here is, is rushing out the door and, and asking, where's the sign-up sheet? That's the kind of life that, that I want to live. I want to go be a martyr. I want to sacrifice. No. 
You know, our society here in Western, in Western society, Western culture, in, 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 we've grown up to think, you know, it's all about me. It's all about protecting me. And, and you know, I come first. And even, you know, in, in some marriages, I come first, not even the spouse. No, I come first. You know, what have you done for me lately? You know, how are you fulfilling my needs? No, no, it's all about me. And, and sometimes in our works and in our relationships and, and in our churches, it's all about me. You know, the pastor didn't have a good enough sermon. So I'm going to start church hopping around because it's all about me. It's all about feeding me. And and so we get trapped into this way of thinking, this philosophy that says, you know, it's all about me, 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 I, I, I. And Jesus comes to planet earth and he blows that philosophy out of the water. And he says, wait a second, folks, I have a completely different way for you to live. I have a completely different way for you to live out your life. Because if you continue thinking this way, if you continue thinking that it's all about me and all about what I can do to protect myself, I'm telling you, Jesus says, you will lose your life. And so this is why he says in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to talk about how Jesus sacrificed himself for the purpose of bringing restoration to the world. And so he says this philosophy, this, this spirit of surrender, this spirit of sacrifice, this spirit that Jesus had to surrender oneself and to humble oneself and to be obedient and to sacrifice on every turn, to sacrifice, that is the mind that I want in you. Now listen, no one goes out and says, you know, I, I, that's what I want. You know, if you were to ask these martyrs point blank, do you know, do you want to give your life up? I mean, do you want to stop living? Every single one of them would say, no, of course not. I want to live. And you ask Jesus Christ himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, do you want to continue living? What did he say? Of course I do. God, if possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will. Your will be done. Because I want to restore this planet. And in order to restore this planet, God, I know that it requires sacrifice. Therefore, I give my life up in order to bring restoration to the planet. And when you talk about these martyrs through the ages, they will say the same thing. I'm not going to give up Christ because I know that in Christ there is restoration and I am willing to give my life up in order to bring the restoration that God wants for this planet. Still, it's hard. It's hard for us to have that mentality, isn't it? I mean, it really is hard for us to, at every turn, in every relationship, and in all of our circles, to have that mentality of service, that mentality that says, I'm going to, to sacrifice my own desires, my own wants for the benefit of those around me, for the benefit of my family, for the benefit of the church. Yeah, I'm going to sacrifice my time. I'm going to sacrifice my energy. I'm going to sacrifice my own desires for the benefit of the community so that the community can be restored. I understand that it's hard to have that kind of mentality. But can we just take a step back for just a moment and just look at the big picture? Okay? 
Can we just take a step back from that philosophy and just take a look at the big picture? And the Bible helps us to paint that big picture for us. And I'd like for you to turn to, in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, because the Bible helps us to look at the bigger picture, to see exactly what's at stake. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. Actually, let's start reading, um, let's start reading 34. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. It says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus understood that his, his, this philosophy, this way of living was going to bring division. Verse 35, for I have not come to set a man against, for I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemy will be those of his own household. Verse 37, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does, he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life, here it is, will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And so Jesus is introducing this new way of thinking. He's introducing this new philosophy. And he's saying, listen, if you are a follower, if you want to be my disciple, let let me me clue you in to a secret here. Big picture. If you want eternal life, if you want the life that you are seeking right now on your own, the secret is you need to sacrifice it. You need to give it over. Not just give it over to anything. No, no. Give it over for my sake. My sake. And what was his sake? I mean, when you look at Christ, what was he all about? He was about restoring other people. He was about sacrificing himself to build up other people. And so he says, if you lose your life for my sake, I'm telling you, you will have it. You will win it. And now here's the deal. When you, when you look at all of these martyrs, when you look at, at, uh, at uh, Mark and when you look at, at Paul and when you look at all of these individuals, men and women, through all the ages who have been martyred for the, for the sake of Christ, right, they have experienced Christ and they're holding on so tightly that there is nothing on this planet that matters more No mother, no father, no son, nor daughter. There is no job. There is no circumstance. There is no relationship. There is nothing that matters more than Jesus Christ because they have experienced him and they're holding on and they know that they're not going to let go. And so here they're forced with a decision to let go of Christ or to hold on to him. And you know what the answer has been? I am holding on because I know that in holding on, I will restore. I will restore. Not only will God restore me, but God will restore those around me as I give witness and testimony that God is the number one thing and that there is nothing more important in life than Jesus Christ himself. 
There's another passage I want you to read. Just turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. And just in case you thought that was just like, you know, one shot deal. Uh uh. This is a theme that is carried throughout all of Scripture, through all the New Testament. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. And it reads like this. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, see, folks, I understand that none of us here have a desire. You know, there's nothing within us that says, you know, sign me up for that kind of a life. But can we just take a step back for just a second and see the bigger picture and just see exactly what's going on? That Christ sacrificed himself to bring restoration to this planet. He sacrificed everything that he had so that our relationship with God the Father might be restored. And so he sacrificed everything. And now he is asking us, his followers, to have the same mindset. That we too live a life of sacrifice because as we live that life of sacrifice and surrender and service, we will be restored ultimately, but at the same time, we are bringing restoration to those around us. You see, folks, it is not good enough for the church to continue on with this this arm's length ministry or, or this philosophy, this mentality that says, well, as long as I just throw a few dollars in the plate, you know, let someone else do it. That is not what Christ is asking of us as a church. It's not what he's asking of us individually. He is wanting us to step in and to take on the mind of Christ and to say, you know what? It's time that self dies. It's time that I surrender. It's time that I start sacrificing And maybe the things that that I think are important in life, the things that this world has told me it's important, maybe it's time that I start sacrificing and and giving a little bit more time. Maybe it's time that I start serving in a a bigger capacity. Maybe it's time that I start sacrificing. And and if I'm driving down the street and I see someone in need, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice my time because in so doing, I might bring restoration between that guy who's stranded on the side of the road and, and his heavenly father. You know, I, I'm going to sacrifice my time. And, and when nominating committee gives me a call in a few months, I'm going to think twice before I say no. You like how I slipped that one in? It's time that we start sacrificing. And yeah, it might not make any sense for me to return a faithful tithe, but this is what God has asked me to for the furthering of his kingdom. So I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice 10%. And I'm going to give it back to him because it's time that I start living the life that he is calling me to. Because in so doing, guess what? We bring restoration. And that's what we're after. Paul undoubtedly had this big picture in his mind, undoubtedly. I'd like for you to read this passage is found in Romans chapter 8. I'd like for you to turn there with me. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Writing to the church in Rome. Chapter 8, verse 18, he says this. For I consider... 
In other words, you know, I'm thinking. I've, I've put thought into this. You know, I, I've been considering this matter for, for quite some time now. And he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time. Now remember, just remember the sufferings that he had gone through. The shipwreck, the imprisonment, the flogging that that took place. Just think about everything that he went through, all of those sufferings, every time that he turned and he sacrificed for the purpose of bringing restoration, every time that he sacrificed and surrendered. Listen to this, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, I'm taking a step back here and I'm looking at the big picture, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. That's big picture mentality right there. Because we think that the little bit that we give, oh man, that's going to kill me. God says, no, holding on to it is what's going to kill you. You need to give it up because in giving it up, I'm telling you, you will find your life. And Paul had that big picture mentality, didn't he not? He said, I'm considering that the sufferings of this world, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to substitute that word for sacrifice. I consider that the sacrifices that I go through in this world are nothing, cannot be compared with the glory that will be revealed to you and to me someday. You remember that young boy who gave over, who sacrificed and gave over his, his five loaves and his two fish? Can that be compared to what Christ did with it? That he transformed those five loaves and two fish and he fed thousands, possibly 12,000 people. And there was, the Bible says that they ate until they were full. It wasn't like, you know, is there any more of that? No, no, we're out. No, they ate it. They They ate until they were full. And the Bible says that there were some left over. You cannot compare that little sacrifice with what Christ was able to do with it. And the same is true of our lives. You cannot compare the sacrifices that you may give that I understand you think are big, but you can't compare those sacrifices with what God will do with it. And that is stepping back, my friends, and taking a look at the big picture. And that is stepping back and understanding, yeah, sacrifice is hard, But the sacrifice is worth it. Because if Jesus was standing here right now, and you were to ask him, Christ, the sacrifice on the cross, was it worth it? What do you think he would say? Huh? He'd say absolutely. Because he was worth it. She was worth it. He was worth it. She was worth it. Yeah. It was worth it. So, folks, my prayer, my hope is that when we leave here today, we start thinking differently and we put on the mind of Christ and we start serving others. We start surrendering to others, that we start sacrificing to others, knowing that that sacrifice will bring restoration, that that sacrifice will make people whole. And you will know someday that it was all worth it. 
No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We're a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click on Sermon Audio.